In today's message, I want to share with you a story that I heard a long time ago from an audio tape of a message that Billy Graham gave. And in this story, it uh, basically talks about a man that was going about his normal practice one morning and leaving the house. He headed out walking. Now, it was on that particular morning, there was snow on the ground. Some of you maybe don't have that experience um, that might be listening, but I think everyone in, in this room does. There was snow on the ground. It was that kind of snow that might have a little bit of a crunch to it. You know, you step in it, it has a little bit of a crunch to it. And, uh, and as this father made his way along, and as he was, he was walking along, he heard a, a sound behind him. He heard a sound behind him, you know, maybe making that same crunch that he was hearing. You know, maybe as he stepped, he would hear a, a little bit of a crunch. And, and that sound coming from behind would maybe be in time with his step once in a while, but other times it would be a little bit off in that crunch. And he turned around to find out what the sound was, and it was his son. And he asked his son, he said, uh, you know, what are you doing? And the son says, I'm stepping in your tracks. I don't know if you've ever done that as a child, stepping in somebody else's tracks. But in essence, he was stepping in daddy's tracks. He was stepping in daddy's tracks. You know, and that is easier to do. Or sometimes you're playing it as a, as a game. But when the snow is really deep and you're... Uh, smaller, you kind of have to jump from one hole that he stepped into the next one. And for an adult, it might not be that deep. For a younger child, it's pretty deep. But for whatever reason, it's also a neat game to play. You just step, step along in the person's tracks. But this child was stepping in Daddy's Tracks, which is the title of our message today, Stepping in Daddy's Track. This is a message to our fathers and future fathers, but uh, I think it's applicable many. So turn in your Bibles, you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to read verse 9, and then we're going to also look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7 as well. And these passages, as you're turning there, are talking about teaching and teaching children. But as your children listen and watch you, they imitate you, they uh, step in your tracks. Where are you leading them in these paths and steps that they are following you? So let's look at Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, and then we'll skip to chapter 6. In verse 9, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, Unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. It's rather interesting. You know, maybe we back up and go back a little bit and look at some of the previous verses. Verse 4, but you have held fast to the Lord your God our but you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. 
every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord your, my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that, that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourselves and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and, and your grandchildren. It's not too hard it's not too hard as you look at that passage, and it's talking about Israel and what God has done for them and the things that they've seen, and it's warning them, don't forget what you have seen and take it, teach it to your children and to your grandchildren. What other country, in their case, has been so close? But it, it's not too hard to start thinking about the principles that the country were founded on and those things that the country has gone through and even though this is not the premise of the full service sermon, I just want to remind you, some people have forgotten. They have forgotten some of the biblical principles the country, our country was founded on. And you could debate whether all the people that were involved in the founding were Christians or not, but I think you would be academically... unaware or not true to yourself if you would say that they weren't based on biblical principles. You have to work pretty hard to say that some of the laws and things that we have and the way the structure is doesn't find, follow things that you would find in scripture. And some people don't remember, they forget. And so there is some things to say to remember. I am not one to elevate patriotism of a Christianity. But at the same time, as we look at the things that we've been taught as children in the things of God and some of those principles, we need to remember to teach those forward. And it says to children and grandchildren. Sometimes in the stories that, that the, uh, your children might not like and they're like, oh, Dad, you're telling that story again. But the grandchildren hear them, and they might actually enjoy them because they haven't heard them before. But if they're principled and they have meaning, it's in the story, it's in that parable that they can remember, but the charge is that you remember. You remember so that you can carry that forward and that you can teach them. You can teach them. What are we teaching? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them 
on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. We find that when Jesus is asked what is the greatest commandment, you will find that is there. And it's kind of at the heart of holiness. But what we are finding here is that we are to teach that when we talk, when we sit, when we stand, when we lie down, when we get up. It should be prevalent in how we conduct ourselves and how we talk to people and how we talk amongst the family. It's not that unusual for the way someone conducts themselves in public. It's different than how they conduct themselves in private. Unfortunately, sometimes on Twitter or Facebook or whatever social media you use, people like to air their dirty laundry for everyone to see and to make a difficult situation much worse by putting their family down in front of everyone. It's interesting, I've seen where someone makes brash statements that are incorrect in public media and then get upset because someone called them out in public and didn't come to them privately. It's like, uh, okay. It's just kind of interesting how that is approached. But what lessons are you teaching when you sit, when you stand? What is your private conversation in front of your children and your grandchildren? How do they see you interact with other people and the words that come out of your mouth? Because what you say in public might be informative to the public, but what you say in the home is informative for good or for bad to the children and to the grandchildren that hear it. If they learn the lessons that you are teaching, whether they be good or bad, will that be a good thing? Will that be a good thing? If your son imitates you, what kind of husband and father will he be? If your daughter marries a man just like you, would that be a good thing for her? Would it be a good thing for your grandchildren? Now some of us have seen it before. Uh, a girl raised in an abusive home or with an alcoholic ends up marrying an abusive Husband, that's an alcoholic. Now some of you say, oh, that's not true, but may I say that in today's culture it seems that, and it's been done before, but it seems really out there that everybody that's over the age of 20 doesn't know anything. That we're all ignorant, we're all stupid, and we've wasted the last how many years of our life because everybody younger than that knows more about everything. Just because they can run their thumbs faster on their phone. But I tell you that I have seen it. 
And you can say, well, there's no studies to that extent, or I can't find it on social media. I have seen it. For whatever reason, that girl feels like that's what love looks like. She hasn't seen it any other way. She thinks that's what love's work looks like. She might think that's all she's worth. That's all she's good enough. You know, there's some elites in this country that make fun of people with different levels of education and things, and so they talk about everybody being victims and these people being victims and these being oppressed, but it doesn't take much for them to tell somebody else that they're stupid and ignorant and because of where they live or where they come from. And so some people feel down about themselves or they don't feel they're pretty enough or they don't feel this or they don't feel that. And so they settle. They settle because they think, well, that's all I'm good for. That's all I deserve is an abusive husband that's an alcoholic. So if your daughter marries someone like you, there's a chance that she will marry someone similar to you. That'd be a good thing for her and your grandchildren. That story about the boy stepping in daddy's tracks there's a little bit more to the story. See, the man in the story was, his normal routine was he would get up in the morning and for whatever reason, he needed something to help him cut through the day. I would say it probably was an addiction or of some sort, but see, he was on his way to the bar. That's what he would do. He was on the way to the bar. Before he go to the work, he would stop in and get a drink. When he turned around that morning and saw that his son was following, and he asked him what he's doing, he says, I'm, I'm stepping in, tra- in your tracks. I'm following you. I'm stepping in your footsteps. You ever heard of a son stepping in their father's footsteps? You ever heard of the saying, a nut doesn't fall very far from the tree? They pick up your mannerisms, they pick up your speech patterns, they pick up your behaviors. What are they picking up from you? Now each child makes their own choices. They rebel against that good teaching that they know to be true at times because, for whatever reason, But if they default into what they've been taught, and when the times get hard, they're going to remember back and say, I've gone astray. I've got some problems. And if they really look hard, they might say, you know, it might have happened when I started contradicting what mom and dad taught me. Now that is as if that mom and dad talked to them things of God. I don't mean just in the way what was in Scripture, but in the way... They conducted themselves because they would have that to go back to. But if what they had to go back to is 
if all they ever knew was an abusive household, and they heard people say, oh, your parents have such a great situation because your parents had a, they had a good facade, and you lived that out in public, and then when you went home, you lived this other way, but everybody said, well, you got something special. They might have thought that was okay. And if they default back to that, they're going to perpetuate a broken, a brokenness, a lack of love, and, and a hypocrisy. But the question is, what is in your heart? What is in your heart? How are you presenting that? What are your children's noticing? If they emulate you, if they copy you, if they're like the prodigal and they go away, is there anything worth them coming back to? Have you given them that foundation, that home, that anchor that beckons them and calls them back to that stability? Or are you like the place that they run out to and spend their time on riotous living? Is all your hope in Jesus, or is your hope in a bottle, in an addiction, in a drug, in something else? Do they see a consistency in conduct in the good times and the bad? You may not be perfect, but you're striving towards the things that God would have you do. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. It's hard to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord if you're not following God in the first place. They're stepping in daddy's tracks. Whether you want them to or not, they're stepping in daddy's tracks. They're following in your footsteps. Where are they headed? Where are you headed? When you get where you're going, or you turn around and say, hey, I want you to come here too. But if you're on the path towards hell, I don't think you want them following you there. But you're not going to be a very convincing unless you get off the path that you're on. And for those of you that have one foot trying to follow God and one foot trying to follow yourself, you're double-minded, you need to get all in. Fathering is a hard thing. It's a tough thing. It doesn't end when they leave the household. What are you teaching your children? What are they absorbing? What are they incorporating? As they're stepping in your tracks, it's not too late to change course. I don't know why, but there's a story coming to my mind. I remember, I remember a man, he's an alcoholic, as best I know. He didn't always treat everybody very well. He was a good man, but he was an alcoholic. And I don't know if he was a mean drunk or not, but that's what I remember. And I do remember as he was, had a terminal illness, being at his bedside and leading him to Christ a few months before he died. You know what he told me? 
I should have done this a long time ago. All that time, all that heartache, all those challenges, I should have done this a long time ago. Don't wait. Don't wait. Let's be standing together. Stepping in daddy's tracks. Where are you taking them? Where are you headed? Father God, I pray that you would bring conviction upon those that are not where they need to be in their relationship with you. I pray, dear Lord, that they would sense that the path that they're on is detrimental to those that are following and that those that are following are their children. May they realize that some of the challenges that they have created for themselves, their children may just as easily create thinking and trusting in their father who's leading them down a dangerous path. He knows better, but he's sacrificing them because they may not know better. He's setting a bad example. But he thinks it's all about him. He doesn't realize that he's impacting those that are watching and those that are following. Wake him up. Have him see he needs to come to you and ask for forgiveness and ask you into his life to recommit his life to you, to follow you, to be more diligent in his servant to you, to be more conscious of what he's saying and how he's responding, how he's treating his wife, how he's treating his children, how he's acting in private, not just how he's acting in public. Help him, the Lord, to find you, to seek you, to be obedient to you, to grow in you, make a change, to break the cycle, to move the generations that follow him forward in their walk towards you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As those in the room's heads are bowed.